Good morning. I'll talk before the clock ends. Good to see you guys. Great day to just be thankful to, for all of God's given. Let's stand up and declare our gratefulness to the Lord today. Here we go.
So, so good. Yeah, let's pray. Um, God, uh, we do give thanks for all you've done. Um, I hope that, um, but I hope every one of us say that every day of our lives. That's such an easy prayer and it's such a great way to say um, you are God and we are not. And it puts you in your rightful place and it puts us in ours. It puts us in a place of dependency because we need you and it uh, puts you in a rightful place uh, where you are just God in our lives. And so um, not that we need to make you God in our lives, but there's something about um, saying it. There's something about saying, God, I'm grateful for what you've done and acknowledging you. So Lord, this morning as uh, this call to worship uh, today is just a big acknowledgement of who you are and all you've done. So um, I think of Psalm 13, Lord, that says, uh, I will sing to you, Lord, for you've been good to me. So may you hear from our voices and our hearts today as we worship and as we pray um, in Jesus name. Amen. I've heard that if you uh, sing in church, you pray twice, which is kind of cool. Uh, well, glad you're here, everybody. I'm Billy. I'm the uh, worship pastor, and so thankful you're with us today. And uh, we'll talk about a few things in just a little bit. But before we do that, say hi to somebody around you. A lot of people here today. Tell them good morning. Thanks. Hey, good morning, everybody. That was weak. Good morning, everybody. All right, much better. Hey, can you just take a quick second and scoot towards the center of your aisles? We've got people still coming in, and that would be a big help to them as they're looking for a seat right now. Well, hey, my name is Adam Harbaugh. I'm one of the pastors here at Hopevale, and we are just really glad to be able to be here, joined together in this place to worship our Lord this morning, and so thanks for being here. If you're a first-time guest or relatively new to Hopevale, we want to encourage you to uh, that bulletin that you got when you walked through the doors this morning. If you would be uh, interested in filling out your information at the bottom of that, tearing off the card, and then you have two options. You can either drop it uh, into the offering plate here in a minute, or if you want to take it to our Welcome Center and drop it off there, there is a special gift for you at the Welcome Center. Uh, but either way, if you're willing to share your information with us, we just want to take the opportunity to welcome you, uh, follow up with you, and just uh, help you find your fit here at Hopevale Church. So a couple of announcements. First, uh, today after second service at 12.30 in the venue is our annual business meeting. Uh, if you can't make that today, there's also one tomorrow night at 6 p.m. in our Bay City Ministry Center. Uh, so for either of those meetings, really it's just an opportunity to come and hear uh, more detail about the vision that God has placed on our hearts here at Hopevale that we're trying to pursue with everything we have. And uh, there's a financial package and plan that goes along with that that we want to share with you. And then you'll have, if you're a member, the opportunity to vote on that next Sunday. Uh, so be aware of that. There's a ministry support plan that you can... <clears throat> I think the financial plan includes keeping the lights on. So... Uh, <laughs> So yeah, hopefully uh, there's the ministry support plan that you can pick up uh, at the info desk or the welcome center this morning as well, just to learn more about that. Well, hey, when you came in this morning as well, you also had uh, this card on your seat. Uh, this is uh, information about our summer family experience the week of June 24 to 27. We're really excited about this, kind of a reimagined Bible camp, if you will, that gives us an even greater opportunity to partner with families and their kids to teach them about Jesus and living their lives for him. And so we actually have kids ministry staff in the lobby today to help you with registration. And so if you've got questions or want to get registered, please stop off in the middle of the lobby and our team can help you with that out there. 
Well, hey, we have a lot going on. I want to invite the ushers to come forward. And, you know, as we just take a moment to, to think about all that God is doing, not only in our own lives, but in the lives of this church, uh, we have an incredible opportunity to, to just give generously towards that work as a response to God's provision and his faithfulness in our own lives. And really, when it comes to finances, it is not a matter of whether we have a lot or a little. It is a matter of us being generous stewards with what he has entrusted to us. And so, again, like I said, we are excited about the vision, the purpose that God has entrusted to us here at Hopevale. We're so glad for the faithfulness and giving that this church has been a part of for many years. And I think God has honored that in some pretty incredible ways. And our hearts is that are just that God would continue to grow that in us individually and corporately as well as we look to him for our future. So as we prepare to give, let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, thank you so much for today. Just the opportunity that we have to be together here in this place uh, under your banner called the church. God, Christ followers, people who want to um, lay our lives at your feet and say, we are yours. God, we want to live in obedience to you uh, in every part of our lives. And so God, as we're here today to sing praise to your name and to learn uh, about how much you love us and what you are calling us to in this life, a life of purpose. God, we just want to make ourselves available to you today for your Holy Spirit to work in this place. God, for every person who's here represents a need and you know each and every one of those needs. So God, we just ask you to speak to us individually. We ask you to speak to us corporately uh, that your spirit of encouragement and blessing and challenge would be upon us. Because God, uh, you love us so much and you've been so good to us that we want to respond to you with our whole lives. And so God, help us to learn how to do that even just a little bit more faithfully today. Lord, so would you just take and use these gifts to that end? God, we love you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, Hopevale. My name is Destiny. I'm one of the worship leaders here and one of the student ministry residents. And a few weeks ago, I was sitting with Billy, and he asked me if I would be willing to share a few words with you all. And... My initial reaction was to say, well, thanks for the offer, but absolutely not. Uh, I just, I've never really felt called to speak in front of people, let alone large groups of people. And the more I thought about that, the more I realized that it's so incredibly easy to feel unqualified or unworthy of a call that God has placed on your life. It's so easy to look at the battle in front of you and say, God, I, I can't do this. God, I don't have the strength to defeat my enemies. But the good news is, we're not called to do this alone. Our battle has already been won for us. Our enemy has already been defeated. Some of the lyrics to the next song that we're gonna sing says, before we even know that he's gone, he's gone and won our war for us. Before we even notice that he's left, he comes back with our enemy defeated. And when I first heard that, I had to take a step back and just say, wow, all I'm called to do is just stand here and worship you and praise you for who you are. And you come back and you call it my victory. 
So whatever you're facing today, whatever battle you're fighting, as we sing this next song, remember the confidence that we have in being children of God, that the battle's over and the, vid, the verdict is our, the verdict is in our favor. So let's sing.
thank you for being here. Thank you for filling this place with your presence this morning, God. I ask as we move into the service, God, that you would just fill this place even more, where we would be overflowing with your presence, God. I ask that we would have hearts to receive your word today as you speak to us through Mike. God, I just, you are so, so, so good, God. Thank you for comforting us where we are and meeting us here. In your name we pray. Amen. Happy June, Hopevale. June is such a great month. June means the end of the school year and the kickoff of summer vacation. June also means family Bible camp, one of the highlights of our year here at Hopevale. For Kathy and me, June means the second month of our sabbatical. And our focus for June is that we want to be on the receiving end of ministry and to let others pour into our lives. Specifically, at the beginning of June, Kathy and I will be at the Billy Graham Cove Retreat Center in Asheville, North Carolina for a three-day pastor's renewal retreat led by Jim Cimbala. We're looking forward to that. And then later in the month, Kathy and I will be in Colorado Springs for a week-long intensive retreat for couples in ministry. And our prayer is that God will speak to us spiritually, emotionally, relationally, so that we'll be renewed for our next season of ministry here at Hope House. So continue to pray for us. Now, while I'm gone, we'll have another special guest teaching pastor over these next four Sundays, a guy who will be new to some of you and very well known to the rest of you. Pastor Mike Garner will be joining us in June. Mike was a pastor at Hopel for 18 years and more recently served as the lead pastor of North Lake Church in Lago Vista, Texas. This month, Mike plans to share from the life of Jesus and the lessons he's been learning from the words of our Savior. So as we begin this series, let's give it up for Pastor Mike Garner. Man, it is good to be back in Michigan. Let me just say it. It's cool. Temperatures. Oh, man, I have this, like, pullover thing I haven't worn in, like, five years. So I am really excited to be back. Um, thanks for letting us do this. I, just to be able to bless Dan um, as he's gone and having served, you know, most of our ministry life with Dan and Kathy, I am thrilled that they get some time to just refresh and renew in their life, and so very thankful for that. Um, let me give you a quick update. Uh, we uh, have been in outside of Austin in Lago Vista, Texas uh, for the last five years uh, at a church. We, are, we have since left that church, and we're in between ministry opportunities right now just praying, so I'd ask that you would continue uh, to pray for us as we seek the Lord's uh, direction for us in our next ministry phase, um, but enjoyed our time. God taught us a lot 
uh, while we were there, and we've been able to be there um, with our family, and uh, through some very uh, difficult times, I lost my father, uh, Rhonda lost her father uh, in the last uh, several years, and so uh, to be able to be close was a real blessing um, for us. Um, so if you don't know who we are, let me just show you who my wife is, if you see her around. This is Rhonda. Uh, we had the chance to do a wedding last summer in Augre of our dear friends, Nate and Catherine Wilson, and uh, this was taken there at that wedding. And so Rhonda's going to have the chance. Billy asked her if she'd like to come and be a part of the worship team. So over the next couple of weeks, she's going to get to do that, which she's yeah, very excited about, actually. Yep. Um, and then let me show you a little update of our kids. And so this one, this one, oh man. Uh, let, me, let me just start uh, at the top and we'll work around. So uh, Dan and, and Rachel, Rachel's our daughter. Dan and Rachel live in Austin. Uh, she is a stylist at Urban Betty, a salon uh, there in Austin. Dan is a manager at LaForce. It's a manufacturing company and uh, they love it. They serve at a church called Austin Stone, and uh, God is really using them uh, in Austin, and so we're excited about them. Rachel's our number three. Uh, in the top right corner is Hannah and Chris. Hannah is our number two. Uh, they live in California. He's a youth pastor. It's their first full-time church, and they are the proud parents of this one, Liam. Isn't he cute? Oh my gosh, I just can't, like Ron and I, we just pull up pictures and stare at them, you know. As grandparents, you know how that is. And so this is our first uh, grandchild, and so we've already been to California twice since he was born in February. That's just ridiculous. Um, but he's awesome, and he belongs to Chris and Hannah. Uh, the bottom down there is Josh and Megan. Josh is our firstborn. Uh, they live in Chicago. He is the art director at a church called Soul City, which is downtown uh, Chicago, and they just are living. They just moved in to a new apartment yesterday downtown, so they are true, like, downtown people. That's all they do is, you know, work downtown and live downtown, and so we're very proud of them. And uh, last but not least is Elizabeth, our number four. Uh, she's the most special one because she still gets all of our money and our attention. And so we are uh, proud of her. We just moved her back here uh, to Saginaw. She's living with Kurt and Amanda Smith, uh, some members here. And uh, she's going to be attending Delta just to continue her college. And I'm telling you, she loves being home. That's all she talks about is, I just love being back home in Saginaw. So we have more reasons to come back here. So we love that as well. So that's our family. Uh, if you don't, uh, never known who they were, now you do. If you knew who they were, you can see where they are. So we're excited uh, to, to be back here and just to share life with you guys. Over the next uh, four weeks, we're doing a series called Bear Fruit. And, and we're going to look at what it means for us as disciples to grow in our walk with Jesus, to be more mature disciples. And so there's four weeks. This week we're going to look at what it means to be a loving disciple, what it means for us to sacrificially love one another. Next week we're going to look at uh, the obedient disciple, what it means for us to actually love God through our obedience to him. The, the next week we're going to look at uh, what it means to be a maturing disciple, this process of sanctification. Uh, the, in John 15, Jesus talks about this, this imagery of a vine uh, that's bearing fruit. And he's called us to bear fruit in an increasing fashion. 
And he promises that we don't have to, as we just sung, we don't do this alone. We do it empowered by the Holy Spirit. So uh, that'll be week three. And then the last week, we'll be looking at, at John 17 and his prayer for us, Jesus' prayer for us, and what it meant for us to follow in his steps. Jesus said, uh, just as the Father has sent me, I am sending you that you might bear fruit. And so we're going to look at what it means to be a disciple who lives uh, their life as a sent missionary in the context that God's placed them in. And so very excited uh, about these. So John 13 to John 17. If you like to get ahead, read those passages. You know, every week uh, we'll be looking at those. And so I wanted to start each week with a prayer. Uh, Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to look at a couple of verses, starting in verse 17. And this is Paul's prayer for the church in Ephesus. And I, I pray this for us. Over the next several weeks, we're going to pray this prayer um, every week as we open God's Word. And so I want to just read these, and then I want to pray for us. So Ephesians 1, verse 17 says this, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened So that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Man, do you hear that? What is the hope of his calling and the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the mighty working of his strength? What a prayer. Let me pray that for us. Lord, we, as we just sang, we, we are incomplete without you. We can do nothing, you said, without you. And so we are thankful that you have given us, you have promised us, you have invested in us the Holy Spirit who is Currently, right now, this very second, working in our lives, enlightening our minds, opening our eyes, opening our our deaf ears so that we can comprehend your love for us, your, your grace and your mercy and your power, your immeasurable power that you have given to us. And so today, even as we open your word, without you, I am powerless Without you, everyone in this room can't understand you. And so I pray that your spirit would do what only your spirit could do. That you would empower me as I deliver your word. That you would open our eyes, open our ears, enlighten our minds so that we could understand. And then as we leave this place, that we would not go away as a person who looks at themselves in the mirror and walks away and forgets what they look like. That we would intently look at your word today. And that we would walk out of here in obedience. We would not just know, but we would do what you've asked us to do. So Lord, speak to us through these passages of Scripture. We love you. We are thankful for your love and mercy towards us. And we pray this through the powerful name of Jesus. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. Um, We're going to be in John 13, so go ahead and flip there. I'm going to be reading uh, this whole series out of the Christian Standard Bible. It's the CSB. It's very similar to the NIV, um, but it's just the version I've been teaching out of, and I'm really familiar with it, so that's what we're doing. Um, So we're going to be in John 13, and we're going to be looking at, uh, over the next four weeks, this last conversation that Jesus had with his disciples 
um, right before he was crucified. So the upper room, uh, kind of the last supper, and this conversation Jesus had, I think there's some incredibly important things that Jesus said to his disciples. And it wasn't just for them. It was for us as well. And so we're going to start today uh, in a very familiar story for some of you, uh, Jesus washing the disciples' feet. What an incredible act of service. I, I don't know if you've ever had someone sacrificially serve you in a way that you're like, I could never, I could never repay this person for what they've done. Or maybe you've been on the giving end of that. You have sacrificially served somebody in a way that cost you so much that the person that received it would never know what it cost you. And yet you did it out of love for them. In 2004, uh, when we lived here in, in Michigan, we lived off of Shattuck Road. We had a small home and we had four children. And uh, we were trying to figure out how do we uh, cram all these people, teenagers, into our house and we sat with two very dear friends, Larry Lang and Dave Nall. And they said to us, we're going to help you. We'll figure it out. We'll do something. And so for the next year, those two guys gave up nights, weekends, weeks and weeks, months and months on end to serve us. Dave helped me with carpentry stuff and drywall, and Larry helped me. He taught me so much about uh, electrician stuff. Um, I've been able to use it on. He taught me how to fish, you know? And, uh, but those two guys, we could never, ever repay them for the time, the gift of love they gave to us to help us remodel that house. And it's one of the, the moments in my life that I go back to where someone those two guys loved us in a way that I could never repay them and yet really communicated to me what sacrificial love was all about. They modeled that. And it's something in us, when you are served in that way, you're like, I want to do that. I want to serve. I want to bless people in that way. And we've tried to do that as a family. And so today we're going to look at this story of what it means for us to sacrificially serve another person because of the love of Jesus. And there's going to be two words I want you to pay attention to. The word know and the word do. And I think in our lives, particularly as Christians uh, reading the Bible, there are times when it's like, yeah, I know that, I know that, I know that. And yet what lacks is the action, the obedience to actually do it. And in this particular situation, Jesus wanted us to know something, and then he said, I now want you to do it. And so let's look at it. So turn to John uh, chapter 13, and we're going to start uh, with this, this story in the life of Jesus and his disciples. I'm going to read a chunk, we'll talk about it, and then I'll read another chunk, and we'll close, all right? So John 13, starting in verse 1. Before the Passover festival... Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Isn't that beautiful? He loved them to the end. Now when it was time for supper, the devil had already put into the heart of Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray him, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hands that he had come from God, and that he was going back to God. 
So, with that knowledge, he got up from supper, laid aside his outer clothing, took a towel, and tied it around himself. Next, he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with the towel tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who asked him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, what I'm doing you don't realize now, but afterward you will understand. I just love how Jesus does stuff like that. And then Peter's like, you will never wash my feet, proving exactly what Jesus just said. Jesus said, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. And Simon said, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. He said, give me a bath then. And Jesus says, one who is bathed doesn't need to wash anything except his feet, but he's completely clean. He says, you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. And this is why he said, not all of you are clean. What a moment in the life of Jesus. This last few hours of his life to do something as a, an example of what it means to love each other. And so there's a couple of things. I, I want to look at what did Jesus know? And in light of what he knew, what did he, what did he do? And then I want to come back and say, what is it that he wanted us to know? And then what did he command us to do? And then the last thing will be, what do you need to know? And what do you need to do? All right? So know and do. So what did Jesus know? Well, we see in that section, we see a few things. It says that Jesus knew um, that his hour had come to depart from this world to the fathers. So Jesus knew in that moment, I know my, my time is done. I've accomplished the will of my father. And now I'm going to the cross. And I'm going to die on the cross. And I'm going to be resurrected. And I'm going to be with my father. And it also says that he knew that the Father had given everything into his hands. Now think about that. Jesus is proclaiming something by his knowledge of who he was, that the Father had given him everything. You know what that means? That means that God the Father gave full authority to Jesus. He was God in the flesh. Jesus had full authority and he knew it. He knew that the Father had granted him authority of all things. And then it says that he knew he was going back to God. And in verse 11, it, it shows that he knew who would betray him. When he said, um, all of you are clean, but not all of you. And he knew that Judas was going to betray him. That is a significant piece to what happens. Jesus' knowledge of that. We haven't read this yet, but in verse 18 it says that he knew who he had chosen. Verse 38 says that he knew that Peter would deny him. And Jesus, knowing all of these things, got up from the table. And he took off his outer clothing and he wrapped a towel around his waist and he washed their feet. Now, we don't do that here. I think the closest thing to Michigan is when you walk in the house, you kick your shoes off. Why, why do we do that? 
Because in the sloppy, gloppy months of snow and muck, you don't want to track all of that stuff into the house, right? Because it's messy. And so in, in this time, people walked in sandals on roads that were dirt and livestock and everything else, and their feet got disgusting. They could take a bath and be clean, but if you go outside, your feet are going to be dirty. Not all of you, but just your feet. And so at, at, at homes, uh, there was usually the lowest of servants. Their job was to wash feet. Anybody just love feet in here? Feet are disgusting. They are. I always, we encapsulate them in shoes for a reason, right? And then when we take the shoes off, we're like, oh, put those shoes back on. Feet um, in that day were equally disgusting. And so when the disciples gathered with Jesus, there wasn't a servant there to wash their feet, but there was obviously a basin. Obviously there was a towel. You think Jesus knew what he was doing? I bet he's like, okay, I'm going to set this right by the door. And every one of them walked past that. I don't know if they thought it, but I'm thinking if I was walking in, I'm like, who's going to wash feet? Not me. I'm not doing it. And each one of them sat down. And guess what? We know that they were having a conversation about who was going to be the greatest. Am I going to get to sit on your right? Am I going to get to sit on your left? While the basin and the towel sat by the door. And Jesus acknowledging, here in the text, John saying, I want you to know, this is what Jesus knew. He knew who he was. He knew that the Father had sent him. He knew he was about to do something to save the whole world. He knew who was going to betray him. He knew who was going to deny him. And it says that in light of all that he knew, he got up and he took off his outer clothing and he wrapped a towel around his feet and he went person by person by person, by person, and he washed their feet. We get no indication of anybody going, no, 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 Jesus, sit down, I'll do it. Peter was the only conversation we hear, and he's like, are you going to wash my feet? Well, then give me a whole bath. He still didn't get it. And so we see this quality of the love of Jesus. I see three things in these qualities. The first one is just humility. He acted as a servant. There was a cost involved. He loved in the face of rejection. I mean, he loved Judas. He could have dismissed Judas earlier. Said, Judas, go what you need to do, and then just wash the other disciples' feet. But he didn't. He loved Judas. He loved Peter by washing his feet. There was a cost and then the last thing was just this action, this example of sacrificial love. And we know that was just kind of a foreshadowing of what Jesus was going to be doing in the next few hours. And he was going to die on a cross. Listen to this in Ephesians. Or excuse me, in Philippians. It says this, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself 
by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. And here, even Paul's saying to the church in Philippi, look, you need to model your own life, your own existence after the same humble existence of Jesus, this example that he gave. Let's go back to the text. John 13, starting verse 12. Says when Jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer clothing, he reclined again and he said to them, Do you know what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're speaking rightly, since that's what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should what? Everybody together. Do. Not know. He's like, I want you to know who I am. You call me teacher and Lord, right? That's exactly right. I am all of those things, and this is what I did for you. Now, knowing that, I want you to do something. I want you to do the, the example that I did, washing one another's feet, just as I've done for you. Verse 16, truly I tell you, a servant is not greater than his master. And he's saying, look, you are my servants, You've acknowledged me as teacher and Lord, as king. And so as my servants, if I've done this, you're not any better than me. So I want you to do as I have done. He says, truly, I tell you, a servant is not greater than his master, and a messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you know them. What? You are blessed if you do them. We, I think as Christians, we love knowledge. I love Bible studies. I love learning stuff. That's who I am as a person. But man, if we just know stuff, we're missing it. Jesus says, look, I don't want you just to know this. I don't want you just to know who I am. I want you to do what I've done. That's what it means to be a disciple. Flip to uh, the next passage in verse, we're going to start in verse 31. He said, when he had left, Jesus said, now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. That is a lot of glory. Children, I'm with you a little while longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so now I tell you, where I'm going, you cannot come. Yet. He says, I give you a new command. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So what did he want us to do? He, he wanted us to follow his example. He's like, look, you call yourselves my servants. You, you've called me Lord and teacher, and I'm calling you as my servants to obey what I've called you to do and to sacrificially love one another. And he says, I'm giving you a new command. Now, the disciples knew the command of loving one another as yourself. That's found in Leviticus uh, chapter 19. And over and over in that passage, it's like, these are the things you need to do for your neighbor. You got to love them. You got to serve them. Do all these things. But Jesus says, I'm going to give you a new command. And this new command is to love each other as I have loved you. It's not just 
the things that we, we, you learned in, in your rabbinical school uh, in Leviticus, I want you to just love each other now with this qualifying thing, as I have loved you. And so he gives them this model of love, this model of sacrificial love that they didn't understand. And then in just a few hours, he died for them. And that was the pinnacle of his sacrificial love, obedience to his father, loving him through his obedience to die on the cross. And then through the, the cross and through his resurrection, he bought us, he redeemed us, he, he forgave us. And he's like, because I have loved you in this way, I am commanding you to love others as I have loved you. Don't just know it. Do it. I mean, I guarantee you, if I ask the majority of you in here, did you know you're supposed to love each other? I think everybody in here would go, yes. And then I said, okay, how's that going? Well, it's okay. I mean, I love my wife most of the time. <laughs> I love my kids when they obey me. You know, we, we have qualities to our love. And, and Jesus is calling us to love each other because he has loved us. Listen to this in Ephesians 1. This incredible picture of how the love of God has transferred into our lives. Listen to this. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that what he lavished on us. In the beloved one, Jesus. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. That he richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he purposed in Christ. As a plan for the right time to bring everything together in Christ. Both things in heaven and things on earth in him. In him we have also received an inheritance because we were predestined according to the plan of the one who works out everything in agreement with the purposes of his will. So that we who had already put our hope in Christ might bring praise to his glory. And in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you also believed, you were sealed in him with the promised Holy Spirit. He's the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession uh, to the praise of his glory. Woo! Can I get an amen? amen? Man, I'm telling you, that's loaded. All of those things that were ours because of what Jesus has done for us. And he's like, this is how I have loved you. In, in, in 2 Corinthians 5, it says this, He made the one who did not know sin, who was that? Jesus. To be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We might become the righteousness of God. I mean, think about this. When, when you 
When you were lost in your sin, read Ephesians 2, and it tells you our condition before we knew Jesus. It says we were dead in our sin. There was no way we could have access to the Father because of our sin. And then we have Jesus over here, perfect, righteous. And 2 Corinthians 5 says that he made him who knew no sin to be sin. So that what? We could become the righteousness of God. Do you see that exchange? That's what we're talking about. That's the act of sacrificial service. And Jesus has made a way for us to be righteous where there was no way before. And because of that, because we are his servants and he's called us to love others in the same way that he loved us, we've got a challenge ahead of us. So we're loved by God. We've been forgiven and we are his servants. So what should we do? It's pretty simple, right? We should obey the command to love people sacrificially just like Jesus did. We should obey the command. We have to love people sacrificially because Jesus loved us sacrificially. We must love people sacrificially that are easy for us to love. That's a no-brainer, right? There are people in your life that's easy to love them. Love them sacrificially. But we also must love people sacrificially that are hard for us to love. The inconvenient ones. Oh, I know. Some of your toes just got stepped on. Mine too, right? And then... Not only that, but we must love people sacrificially that don't deserve to be loved by us. Have you been hurt? Have you been abused? Have you been slandered? Have you been ignored? This is the hardest part of this passage. And guess what? Jesus experienced that. He experienced lies and slander and abuse even death. And he says, I still want you to love them. What did Jesus say from the cross? Father, forgive them. I don't think I would be shouting that from the cross. In my soul, I want to love people, but when you get hurt like that, this is a tough teaching from Jesus that we must love people sacrificially. And we need to do it by modeling the qualities of his sacrificial love. Just like Jesus, we need to be humble. We need to have humility in our lives. We need to love people to the point that it costs you something. I just put a post on my Facebook by Tim, Tim Keller, and he said this, when did you last give up significant power in order to serve someone else? That's humility. That's cost. And, and then it has to be followed with action. You can't just know it. This was a command of Jesus to love each other in that way. Can you imagine if we as believers actually did that consistently in our lives? Can you imagine how your sacrificial love towards others, loving them in the way that Jesus has loved us, how that would radically affect your family, your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your kids, kids, as you love your parents sacrificially, how that would radically, they might have a heart attack if you did it. 
But this is what Jesus has called us to, how our schools and our jobs and our neighborhoods, how radical it would change if we as the people of God would follow his command and love each other sacrificially as Jesus has loved us. I'll tell you, if we did that, some of the results would be this. One, we would be living as true disciples, being obedient Following Jesus' command, just like Jesus said, um, I love my Father and I obey him and now I'm calling you to love me and obey me. We would be proclaiming, hey, I'm going to live as a true disciple of Jesus. Not just know stuff. I'm going to do it. The second thing is we would show the love of God to people who need to know it and need to experience it. We can talk all day about being a Christian and I go to this church and I've, you know, I'm in these activities, but... When you love somebody sacrificially and they look at you like, why did you do that? And you can just say, because Jesus loved me and so I love you. That's life changing. That will change somebody's eternity because the Spirit will use that. And, and the third thing is we'll prove to others that we are disciples of Jesus. We will prove to them. They will go, you really are a follower of Jesus. And God can use those moments as we bear the fruit of sacrificial love. His Holy Spirit will begin to work through those acts of service and change the eternal destiny of people. And that's what God has called us to. He says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. It's a hard teaching. It's a simple concept. And Jesus has called us to love in that way. Not just know it, but to do it. Let me pray. Lord, one, we're so thankful that you inspired John to write this story, to record this for us. On a night that you were filled with anguish. I mean, we know that you left that place and you went to the Garden of Gethsemane and you were in such torment in your soul over what was about to happen that you sweat like drops of blood. You were crying out to your father. If there's any other way, let it be, but your will be done. And just hours before, you're, you're washing the feet of Judas, who you knew was about to betray you. You washed the feet of Peter, who denied you three times, and you knew he was going to do it. Lord, I, I pray that you would, by your Holy Spirit, you would empower us to love like that. And I know there's so many stories in this room right now of people who have been hurt, people who have a desire to love but just don't have the capacity. So I pray that your spirit would do what only you can do and you would fill us, you would empower us, you would heal us so that we could do what you've called us to do in loving others sacrificially, proving that we are your disciples. Help us to be loving disciples because you first loved us. In Jesus' name, amen. We thank Mike for a great word today. Yeah, let's stand. This song is perfect.
for what he just preached about. It's so much more than knowing it, it's doing it. God has called us to just such a higher plane of more than just knowing things, but doing things for him, for his sake. So let's worship together.
Man, we just sang it. You've called me higher. You've called me deeper. What was the next line? Do you remember? I will go where you lead me. He has led us today. He has shown us in his word what it means to sacrificially love one another. And so we just sang it as a prayer. Take me higher, take me deeper, and then help me to follow where you lead. He is leading us to love each other sacrificially. So don't leave here knowing it. Let's go this week. And when we come back next Sunday, I'm going to have you shout out to me the person's name that you loved sacrificially this week. All right. Accountability. Pop quiz. Let's do that. All right. God bless you. Love you. See you next Sunday.